0: Isn't the Lord good? You see why they said in the Word, it is good to be in the house of the Lord? Because we should hear of the goodness of the Lord. This morning, the Word picture that Philip shared, that uh, if you had this story that you were that not only that little girl, or let's say you're Lazarus, man, and you could go around and you'd be sitting at the catfish fry, and you wouldn't just be talking about whether Mizzou won or not. You'd be talking about, let me tell you what it is to be raised from the dead. And yet, that's the story if you're in Christ. The Scripture says over and over, we have been Colossians 3, we've been raised with Christ. That's what the Scripture says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're what? A new creation. The old is gone. The old is gone. You say, well, the old's not gone in my life. I worried before I got saved, and I still worry. I got depressed before I got saved, and I still get depressed. I fussed and fought with my spouse, and I still fuss and fight with my spouse. And so we all need a watch. We need a breakthrough. This morning's message is really a culmination of many dynamics that are going on in my life. First dynamic is four times during each week I get to sit down with a bunch of men and study the Word of God with them. It's called our men's Bible studies. And it's four of my favorite hours during the week and we study the word and we're in that place we've been studying for months now verse by verse study of the book of acts and it's the history of the early church and it gives us a model of the working of the holy spirit in a people's life and we can see from reading the gospel accounts how even though the apostles were for a year and a half 24 7 with jesus They failed continually. They didn't want to fail. And I want you to know, if you're in Christ, and even if you're not in Christ, I can tell you something true about every person in this room. You do not want to fail. Agreed? You you never want to fail in a relationship. You don't even want to fail in your own personhood. You want to do right. So when you fail just know this, and family members, when a family member fails, just know this, they don't want to. They just haven't learned yet how not to fail. And that's what's so frustrating about it. That's why even people kill themselves, because they get sick and tired of failing. But let me tell you, if you fail, it's not because you want to. You just haven't learned yet how not to fail. And that's why the Bible says, get equipped to learn how not to fail. Today, if you're very fearful, you don't want to be fearful. If you acted ugly this week with some family member, you didn't want to be ugly. You just haven't learned how not to be ugly. That's what's so frustrating. So you need a breakthrough. And and the first reason I'm preaching this message, and we're going to carry it on for a few weeks, because it's deep, it's rich, it's life-changing is we're in that place in Acts 10 where Peter and the apostles needed a breakthrough. If you go home and read Acts 10, it's where they came to the place that God wanted to lead them to see that the Gentiles were loved by God, not just the Jews. And they needed a breakthrough. Now I want you to know this man Peter is where God started. And even when Peter had the breakthrough and he went into a Gentile's house and he led the whole family to Christ, the rest of the apostles, it says in Acts 11, men were they ticked off. What in the world are you going into a house with a Gentile? They needed a breakthrough. But I want you to start thinking right now, how did Peter have that breakthrough? Because this is the man that loved Jesus with all of his heart. This is a man that had left everything to follow Jesus. But this was a man that knew failure after failure in his walk with the Lord. Think about the day when Jesus says, Who do men say that I am and who do you say that I am? And Peter, inspired by God, he had a breakthrough. He said what? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, here's when you know you don't get it. Here's when you know you don't get it. Number one, you still argue with God. Do you still argue with God? Now, what do you mean argue with God? Well, here is His conversation to all of us, His Word, the Bible. Is there anything in God's Word that He says to you and you argue with Him? Well, you don't get it yet. You need a breakthrough. And Peter, right after he said, you're the Christ, the Son, of the living God... Then Jesus said, yes, as the Christ, I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to be crucified. And what did Peter do? He had an argument with God. He said, no, you're not. And what happens when you argue with God? Do you enjoy your fellowship with God? No, you do not. Peter didn't enjoy his fellowship when Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You have in mind the things of the world, not the things of God. You know you don't get it when you're still thinking of yourself instead of God. Now, you know, too, that you're going to have a lot of breakthroughs that you need if at home you don't enjoy heaven. Did you know heaven is supposed to be lived out in home? Because husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And wives are supposed to respect their husband as the spiritual leader. And children are supposed to honor and obey their parents. And there is supposed to be peace and joy and love. There's supposed to be protection and provision. And there's supposed to be total servant-heartedness. But you know what often our homes are? Our homes are often competition places. We compete with one another. Well, you did this, I did that. Or I can do that better than you. They're places of conflict. They're places of chaos. They're places of confusion. And let me assure you all, it's not because any of us want them that way. We don't want them that way. It's just we haven't learned how to do any different. We just keep repeating it. I got great news for you today because I'm going to give you the how-to that all this can be transformed in your life. And it's not about me. It's what God's promised. See, we don't get it when our homes are not a reflection of heaven. We don't get it when we argue with Jesus and when we don't get it when we're not experiencing this word. You know, about 30 years ago, I was doing big events with students. I had a guy that could, had world records in blowing up hot water bottles and breaking concrete blocks. In Madison Square Garden, I think he still has the world record, getting up on scaffolds and with one blow of his forehead, busting about 14, 15 feet of blocks, concrete blocks. And uh, he could take any metropolitan, and no tricks, he could take any metropolitan telephone directory because I'd get a bigger one and a bigger one and a bigger one, and he could literally rip it in two, no tricks, lengthwise. In fact, when we'd be traveling around, I'd, I'd find different, telephone directories in hotels, and I'd ask the guy, I'd say, could I have this, please? And they'd say, sure. And we'd be driving down the road, and I'd be driving, I'd say, here, Michael, let's see if you can tear that one up. And, and sitting by there, he'd be over there, and he'd rip it in two lengthwise. And I'd say, I just want to keep you in condition, buddy, you run with the main and the lane. And uh, this guy, we came up with this expression, and when we did, I had no idea what an understatement it is of the Word of God, and that is you're living beneath your privilege. And many of you have heard me say that as long as you've known me. You're living beneath your privilege. Because see, write this down. Now, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but my son, Philip, that's always on the highway, on the web, he told me on BibleInfo.com, so if you want to check it out, you can check it out, BibleInfo.com, That the Bible has 3,573 promises. 3,573 promises. And then the Bible has in the Old Testament 613 commands. And in the New Testament, it has 1,050 commands. So you add that up, 3,573, 613, 1,050, that's 5,236 commands and promises. And see, the commands, as David Jeremiah heard him say years ago, he said, you know, every command of the Lord is actually a promise of God because God is good, God is perfect, and he would never command us anything that's not actually a promise and enablement that in the power of his Holy Spirit we can do that. So you think about it, in God's Word is 5,236 promises of how He wants to live your life privileged in Him. And that's the other thing I'm doing right now. I'm working on a chapter in this book that I'm working on entitled, What Are You Saved For? I want all of you that say you're saved, I want you to think, what are you saved for? And I just decided... I would just start in Matthew, and I know the New Testament pretty well, and I would just start on the first page of Matthew, and instead of finding a reference book or calling Andy Chambers and saying, you know, I'm just turning the pages, Andy, and just saying, okay, here's another instruction, and I'm saying in my book, this is not an exhaustive study but just a casual walk through the Scriptures. And so far, I'm through the book. Friday night, I finished Romans. So I've done Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans. And I have hundreds, hundreds of promises of what Jesus says, when you are saved, when your life is raised in Christ, this is who you're going to be. And so, in the combination of studying the book of Acts and seeing how people need breakthroughs and studying all these promises and just writing them down and then going in and typing them down, I'm saying, wow, do we need breakthroughs. Are you all tracking with me? This could be the best message you've ever heard in your life as far as transforming your life if you get the how-to. If you get to how to, I hadn't gotten to the how to yet. I'm just trying to get you revved up to say, man. Now, this is what I've done in all my men's Bible studies the last two weeks. As we look at old Peter and think of everything he's encountered in the book of Acts, now he failed a lot. You know, he denied Jesus, he ran when he should have been standing. But Jesus went to him and loved him and restored him in John 20. And then in Acts 1, he spent, verse 3, another 40 days with him. And finally, Peter gets it. Now you think, how did he get it? Because from there, he stops arguing with Jesus. Jesus says, go wait in Jerusalem. He goes, waits. Wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, 4, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he preaches and 3,000 are saved. He goes the next day to the temple to pray, and a beggar's there, and he says, Hey, give me something. And Peter says, I don't have gold to give you, but let me pray for you. And God heals him. Next chapter comes, Caiaphas, the high priest, they thought, We killed this Jesus to shut this down. And man, it's exploding. So they come after Peter. Peter says, Let me tell you something. You cr- Remember, Peter couldn't even say to a little girl at a campfire, I know you. If you struggle with fear, and sharing Jesus, this is for you. He couldn't even say to a little girl at a campfire, I know Jesus, but now he's standing before the same plutocrats that sentenced Jesus to be killed, and he says, let me tell you, you're the ones that crucified him, and I can't help but say there's no other name under heaven and earth that that can save you but Jesus. And they looked at Peter and said, we're astonished. We know this guy. He's just an ordinary fisherman, but God has changed his life. He's been with Jesus. I mean, this is Peter, and yet you know the thing you can see about Peter? He still needed a breakthrough. And here's what I've said to our men. Men, I don't care how long you love Jesus. I don't care how long you live Jesus. I don't care how long much you learn Jesus. You'll always need a breakthrough. Peter and the new church still needed to see that the Gentiles are loved by God. So after I say that, then I say this. Now get ready, church family. Then I say this. I say, who wants to share a breakthrough that you have right now? What do you think happens? Who has a breakthrough right now that you're struggling and you know what God says and you need a breakthrough? Just share it. What do you think happens right there, ladies? Gets kind of quiet. Now, why does it get quiet when we say, here we are and we need a breakthrough? And I've already built the case that you always need a breakthrough. You'll never get to the point. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Philippians. He says, you know, God's taken hold of me in Jesus by the Holy Spirit, but I haven't yet taken hold of Him. But this one thing I do, I'm going to press toward the what? The mark. Taken hold of what he's taken hold of me. That is, I still need breakthroughs. See, the reason why we struggle in sharing, well, this is a breakthrough I need, is right in the middle of the how to to have all your breakthroughs. I'm trying to give you the answer before I give it to you. Because I don't want you to leave this service and say, that was just a powerful service. I want you to be changed in this service. I want you to have victory the rest of your life, that whatever the struggle comes, whatever the challenge comes, you can know how to have your breakthroughs. See, out of these hundreds of promises that I've been writing down, just looking at them, and of course, think, think I'm writing a chapter, so then I'm bringing conclusions for the reader, to just really see how this can transform his life. And see, write these four things down. Out of these hundreds of promises, out of these 5,236, if I wrote all those down, it's very clear that we were saved, number one, to be radically changed by God. And over that word radically, put the word supernaturally. Now, this morning, I wish you could have all been with us in first service. In first service, we had our first service over in the chapel. I mean, was it great? For one thing, because we didn't have a keyboard over there, and it was just Kirk and a couple acoustic guitars, you could hear everyone singing. I mean, it was beautiful. The place was packed, and all these people were singing praise. And, of course, I was standing there, and even it's been 19 years since I stood and held my wife's hand, other than when Philip teaches, and we were singing, and I was looking out those windows. If you were there last week, I was looking out the window, and all of a sudden I kept—I started feeling like I was on a retreat down at Lake Ozarks and i was looking out at the beautiful trees and i saw the cross and the waterfalls and everyone was singing praises and god just set down a sweet a sweet aroma of him in that service now if you all come to first service next week we'll be down the hallway but i mean it was incredible and i just turned around and i said folks Look out at the beauty of God's creation. And out those chapel windows, you know, is beautiful creation. And I said, you know, we know, a lot of us have been where we've seen the mountains. And and if you've ever gone to Yellowstone Park, when, when you come out of Yellowstone and you go into those mountains, I mean, they're like European mountains. And see, we lived in Oregon for four years. We're out our front windows. Uh, some builders in our church built us a home where we face nine snow-covered mountain peaks 12 months a year. It's called the Cascade Mountain Range. If you ever go to Central Oregon, Redmond, Oregon, it's the fastest-growing place in Oregon, and we live facing, no houses between us, the Cascade Range. Many movies are made, and we'll say, yep, that's where we used to live. They've shot that picture in our backyard, in our front yard, and and, and many of us have been to ocean scenes that just, you say, What is man that you are mindful of me that you created all this? Well, let me tell you something. When God saved you, that same power came into your life by the person of the Holy Spirit. And somehow what often we live and what this book says are two pretty different things. And shouldn't we say, why? Why? right? Everybody do your head like that. Why? And I want you to know the how-to. See right in number two. By the way, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 18 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And what has happened? The new has come. I promise you, if you're still experiencing old, it's not because you want to. You just haven't learned how to leave the old. The old is what? The old is that old attitude of rebellion and independence to God. It's an absence of repentance. And if you haven't changed your mind about your sinfulness, you're going to just keep falling into sin because you've got a sinful nature. You live in a sinful world. And you're in a war with the devil. So if you haven't repented, which leads to salvation, 2 Corinthians 7.10, you're still in the old. But if you've repented and the new is the Holy Spirit that's come in your life and you're not living the privileges of God, you should say, why? See, right in number two there, we were saved too, and i got to pick it up as normal. By the way, I have just as challenging time Shutting down in time over there as I do here, so it's not the place. See, we were saved to make confident progress because of God. See, Philippians 1.6 is that promise that many of us love. We've memorized it. Being confident of this one thing. And what are you confident in? You're confident in God that he who had begun a good work at salvation is going to keep so powerfully working. This God of all creation that just spoken, he's going to be working so powerfully in my life that I'm going to make progress. Let me ask you, are you making progress in your spiritual walk? If you're not making progress, you should say, why? Then go to number three. I'm speeding up because I want us to get at the bottom. See, we were saved to be mightily used of God. Now, I used a scripture that Phil preached on just a couple of weeks ago because I thought we would remember. Remember when he preached on, you are the salt and you are the light? In his conclusion, we ought to make a difference. We ought to be such that God is mightily at work in us and through us. And then number four, when you're supernaturally radically changed by God, when you have the Lord God of all eternity and history working in your life, making confident progress, and you're used of God, you're number four, Matthew 5, 16, going to bring glory to God. That is, people are going to see God's working in your life, through your life, and they're going to say, there is a God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. There is a God. And we're going to be that aroma that people say, tell me about that God. But see the bullet down there below? It can only happen. And here's the how-to. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm turning to Peter because I've used Peter. He loved the Lord. He had followed the Lord. He had wholehearted commitment for the Lord, but he kept failing until finally he learned the how-to. See, he learned how to be radically changed by God. He learned how to make confident progress with the Lord. He learned how to be mightily used of God. He carried the baton for the church, the first 12 chapters of Acts, and he learned how to bring glory to God. Here's the how-to. You will not have any breakthrough in your life until you practice this how-to. Let me just say that one more time, if you want to write that down. I will not have any breakthrough in my life till I learn and practice this how-to. This is the message right here. Now, just so you know what I'm talking about in a breakthrough, look right at the top of your message notes. See that? That's Webster 10th edition, Collegiate dictionary definition of breakthrough. I chose this word carefully. I, I was thinking of several, but I kept looking around, and this is the best word that I'm talking to you about. It's an act of breaking through an obstacle or a restriction. See, it's for you that say, I don't care what I do, I just worry. I don't care what I do, I just can't get over my woundedness from my childhood, from my teenage from that horrible hurt in my life. I I just, I don't care what I do, I just can't trust the Lord, and you fill in the blank, to do this. That is one of these 5,236 commands. See, it goes on and says, a military offensive that penetrates an enemy's lines. Well, our enemy is the devil. How do I overcome the enemy? I just keep falling to temptation. I just keep falling to his schemes. Or a major achievement or success that permits further progress. If you're struggling with the same things that you've struggled with for years, you need to know this how-to. Well, let's look at it. I'm going to show it to you first in Scripture and let you tell me what the answer is that we fill in that bottom bullet. 1 Peter chapter 5. If you've never opened your Bible, I hope you will today. Make some notes in your margin. 1 Peter 5, 5. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. Now, students, whatever struggles you think you're having today, notice where it starts. Be submissive to God-ordained authority in your life. Then notice it goes on. All of you, now that's all of us, See I know students whenever I talk to you dads or moms they're saying go pastor go pastor But let me tell you I went from students church family to all of us See that word all you can write in your margin that means me You can write in your margin me See all of you clothe yourselves with let's all say it together That was strong All of you clothe yourselves with... Now, write in your margins so we don't misunderstand what that is. That is dependence. D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-C-E. That is the opposite of independence. Write down submission. That is the opposite of rebellion. All of you clothe yourselves with dependence... All of you clothe yourselves with submission toward one another. And here is the because. If you say, I don't like that. Well, of course you don't like that. Your sinful nature doesn't like that. But here's the because. See, I can go to the doctor and I can be dying of a disease. And let's say I'm in a foreign country. And he says, the only cure for you not to die within 24 hours. Let's say I just got bit by that snake, remember, in Costa Rica. that They said it's the deadliest snake in the world. And so I get bit by that, whatever it is. And I go to a doctor. They rush me to the doctor because you only have a couple hours or you're going to die. And he takes out a tonic. And he says, this is the worst tasting tonic you will ever taste in your life. It may even make you throw up, but it will heal you. In 15 seconds, do you think I say, well, I don't know if I should take it or not because I will not enjoy the experience of the taste. No, I say, give it to me. Right? That's the because. Here's the because for all of you that say, I don't like that. God opposes the proud. Now, if you want to be reminded what the proud is, that's the independent. I don't like anyone telling me what to do. That's the rebellious. I'm going to do it no matter what anyone says. That's the proud. You can be that way your whole life because God is love and He gives you free choice. But if you choose that way, you will be in opposition to God's grace. You're going to see that. I'm telling you right, you can be proud, but you're in opposition of God's grace. And see, if you're in opposition of God's grace, you will never have any breakthrough at all with God. Not any. Because you're in opposition to him. You have chosen it. See, God only gives grace, look at the next line, to the humble. Now, do you see that circle? He gives grace. Now, over in first service, because we don't have the projection yet, we hope to get that done this week. That's why you need to give some to the building fund. Remember that list I said last week? As we finish and furnish the building, we don't have projection screens yet in the chapel. But we hope to have those this week. So when everyone walked in, not expecting, in the chapel this morning, they were all given a separate word sheet to the songs we sang. Just as you walked in, the person said, good morning. And some three, four, five people were walking in, so they're just giving them real quick like that. And no one said, give me the song sheet. They didn't even expect to get a song sheet. They weren't even thinking of the song sheet. They were just looking out the window and saying, Isn't this beautiful? But they were given a song sheet. And so when we started singing the songs, guess what they thought? Well, this is convenient. I can sing with them. And they did. Are you tracking with me? The Bible says that God gives us grace. You don't even ask for it when you're humble. He just gives it to you. Why? Because James 1:18, he's the giver of all gifts. He's a good perfect God. He's a loving God. Some of us bless our hearts. Excuse me, I said something wrong. All of us bless our hearts. Until we learn this, we go through our life and we have a horrible time crying to God, begging God, pleading to God, asking the whole church to pray for us in God. And until we humble ourselves, we're in opposition to God. We're not getting anything from God. And this great and mighty God that wants to glorify glorify himself through his children Instead of glorifying his grief, because God doesn't bless pride. God doesn't bless independence. Let me just show you some blessings that he talks about God wants to give you in his grace as we close. See, just follow with me. Verse 6 there of 1 Peter 5, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. There it is. Humble yourselves and therefore, and the therefore is, do you get it? You're not going to have any breakthrough in your pride. He gives grace to the humble. So therefore, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. And underline that, that he may grace you and lift you up wherever you need lifting. Let him grace you and you'll just see he'll lift you up. Now, here's a wonderful way to be lifted up. We all live in a fallen world. It's filled with challenges. It's filled with hurts. It's filled with heartaches. It's filled with problems. It's filled with temptations. So cast all your anxiety, your cares on Him. How do you do that and leave them there? See, a lot of us cast our cares on Him, but we walk right off and take them right with us. You know why? Because pride keeps its cares. Only humility is graced by God to leave your cares with Him. Pride will always try to fix, manage, and control. And there you don't say amen, you say oh me. Are you with me? See, look at the next phrase. Isn't it wonderful to be self-controlled? See, some of you in your pride still are miserable today because of whatever's going on in your home life. You don't like it, and so you finally lose it and get out of control and throw a little fit and rant and rave, and you'll think it's because you don't like the behavior of other people in your home. That's not what it says. It says be self control Well, how am I self-controlled? Well, i got to be graced by God that I see His sovereignty. And I can serve this person that's driving me crazy instead of complaining about him. But I need the grace of God to do that. And then look at alert instead of being distracted or overwhelmed. I'm just alert. I stay fixed in focus of Jesus. It's all about the grace of God in my life. And your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But He's not going to be able to devour me if I'm humble because the grace of God enables me to resist Him. The grace of God empowers me to stand firm in the faith. The grace of God empowers me because I know that no matter what's going on in suffering and persecution, He is sovereignly in control. He is sufficient. He gives me everything I need for life and godliness. And what do I experience? I experience by His grace when I'm humble. See it there? Verse 10, and the God of all grace. Is there anyone in this room that thinks you have too many problems, too much sin, too much heartache, and I'm out of time, too much whatever you put in there for the grace of God? Until you humble yourself, you will think that. But when you humble yourself, Got to give you everything you need for life and godliness. Is this good or what? I hope that you didn't respond then just because you're thinking deeply. I hope that you'll go out today and you'll purpose like you've never purposed in your life. Man, I need the grace of God. And the only way I'm going to receive it. is to live thinking humility the next time you fall to temptation don't try harder humble yourself and say oh god i need your grace the next time you're overwhelmed by the challenges of the life instead of trying to get answers and call your best friend or your preacher just fall on your knees and humble yourself and say god i need your grace See, write it in. Write it in. Down there at the bullet. We were saved for thousands of wonderful commands and promises, but it can only happen if we learn to think, say it, humility, because none of this will happen apart from God's grace. See, just like we couldn't save ourselves, Apart from God's grace, we can't go anywhere with God apart from His grace. Let's pray. I know I'm out of time. Let's pray. Oh, may this be the first moment of the rest of your life, that the highest priority of your life in seeking God, in knowing God, in loving God, in serving God, in making God known, is you'll be humble because we need grace for all of it. Oh, Father, Father, only your Spirit, by your grace, can open our old spiritually dead eyes and let us see light of your truth, your transforming truth. And, oh, Father, today, I just thank you for your mighty working of grace in every one of our lives that wherever we are in this journey of life, for those that have never truly received you repenting lord you they'd say, man i got i gotta be saved by grace and those of us that have been truly saved by grace we'd say oh the same way i got saved i gotta live i gotta live humble before you and humble before one another so lord the doors of your grace will be opened in my life Oh, that we might live as more than conquerors in Christ. That we might walk with the aroma of Jesus Christ. Lord, to your glory, to your honor, and as Jesus said in John 15, to your joy. May we, regardless of our circumstances, walk around and because the joy of the Lord is in our life, because of the grace of God, there'd be a twinkle in our eye. There'd be a smile in our face. There'd be the peace of God upon our countenance If people would say, what have you been doing? Where have you been? And you'll just say, I've just been humble and God's been heaping the grace of His goodness and greatness in my life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, thank You for Your working in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up. We're ready to leave. Just look at the spotlights, because for some of these announcements, if you don't get it today, you'll miss it. Uh, Please, 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 many of you, as you go out straight out in the foyer here, if you didn't check the information on the directory, please do that, because probably after next week, we're going to make a new directory. We need correct information. It tells you what to do when you get out there look at that list of things on building update thank you for giving to that as we finish and furnish things we need in the building awana this wednesday parents and children this wednesday is our first awana meeting for this school year 6 to seven thirty. you start out in the commons downstairs and let me just thank you because we said we need workers and we've got all the workers we need until we have more children but I affirm you and I thank you yes praise the Lord uh, and continue to pray for them as they work with our children now this Wednesday night we have men's bible study out in the foyer have Lana downstairs have Zoe down at the student house and then we have women's ministry Ronnie and Terry Orff. Terry run up here I, I forgot all about you sugar I was more carried away with the grace of God than your announcement. But your announcement is about the grace of God in ladies' life. So tell them what's happening this Wednesday.
1: All right. So we were at retreat, and we talked about breakthroughs. Uh, Holly Brand led us, and one of the things she talked about was uh, Hosea of My people's parents the of So we just want to encourage you. That's better. Go. We just want to encourage you to come on Wednesday night, and because it's all about um, being able, you know, being in the Word, and knowing how to have a breakthrough. I mean, we, we did have breakthroughs, and we talked about that. Where in our lives are we perishing for lack of knowledge? And the Word gives us everything that we need to know for life and for living. So, I want to encourage everybody to come on Wednesday night, and we're kind of gonna do it a little bit different. Um, In the past, I think there's been a video and there really hasn't been a lot of small group discussion and it's been my experience. Sherry McCann and I have have led a a group of women for three years now um, in a Bible study with small group and I can't tell you how important the small group discussion time is. So the way we're gonna do this, because I know people are working, they have kids, I have a heart for women like that because I did that for, 15, 20 years, um, so I know how hard that is. So we we need to make the time worthwhile and and the small group discussion is so important. So what we're doing is um, the video will always be shown every week from 6.15 to like 7.30ish. But there will be a time ahead of the video for people who have to get their kids from Iwana and have to leave by 7.30, there'll be small group discussion before the video about the homework. And then for people who don't have to leave, there'll be small group discussion afterwards. And I don't care if we stay till 10, 11 o'clock at night, I'm not saying that we have to do that, but if sometimes that's what happens, that's what we'll do. And there's a lot of holy ground that, uh, around those kinds of times together. So I just would encourage people come as you are. If you're coming from work or something, there's always going to be a little something to eat, and if I have anything to say about it, it will be healthy. Um, So there will be something to eat, but, you know, we're going to divide the word. We're going to talk about it. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to challenge each other, and this is really where the rubber meets the road. This is where, where the growth, you know, my whole Christian walk was because of my time spent in Bible studying with other women who could help me, and, and we help each other. So we need to have that time together to talk.
0: You so might, the first small group starts at what time?
1: Well, this week we um, won't have a small group to begin with. Just come at 6.15 okay. for the video, and we'll explain a lot more about how that's all gonna work. But we just wanna encourage you that there is gonna be small group time. So.
0: Amen, amen. And so the women, The women will be downstairs, the men will be up here. I mean, it's the happy place to be on Wednesday night. And uh, God's going to keep doing mighty works. You look on down there, this is the last Sunday. Today is the last opportunity to register for the father-child camp out. Now, Scott, you said you were coming, right? But we don't have your registration. So go to the Welcome Center, fill that out. I know you're my buddy And I know you love me, a lot of you guys, but I need your registrations. So we know how many burgers and hot dogs and all that stuff to get. So do that today. Just do it. Next Sunday night, it's going to be over in the chapel. If you've not registered to vote, folks, there's never been a clear time what righteousness is. And every Christian that's a part of this fellowship, if I ever hear that you didn't register and your registered agent vote, We're probably going to be having an early funeral for you. You must register and vote, okay, for righteousness. Let's pray. Let's pray. Close our eyes. Take the hand of the person by you. See, when you're full of grace, you become the greatest encourager in the world. You become a lover. You become a forgiver. You become kind and tenderhearted. May our homes today, Lord, be so radically different because we humble ourselves right now. And we may have disagreements this afternoon. We may have disappointments. We may not even like each other. And when all that happens, Lord, may we remember, I need grace, but I'm only going to receive it when I'm humble. And so, Lord, thank you for a new work in this people. Thank you for a new work in every one of us. That by your grace, We humble ourselves before you and each other. And then we thank you for your mighty working of grace in us and through us. To your honor and glory and kingdom come, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Greet one another in the Lord. I love you all in Jesus.